0: Good afternoon everyone. Thanks for joining us for today's call why it seems so difficult to write an RFP for your ERP project. Sean Wendell will be our speaker for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid- to large sized businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, and human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. Today's call, we will touch on how to avoid the stumbling blocks and offer tips for constructing an an effective RFP, excuse me. It is meant to be interactive, but should you have thoughts or questions after the call, please visit the ERP Advisors Group website and simply hit the contact button to send us a message. We would love to hear from you. It is now my pleasure to introduce Sean. Sean, would you like to take it away?
1: Sure. Thanks, Juliet. I appreciate your introduction. And uh, thanks for joining us for our call today, why it seems so difficult to write an RFP for your ERP project. So I will go through a couple things here on the call. I'm going to talk to, um, you know, a really good background on RFPs, what it is, um, why companies build one, and why we as a firm do something a little bit different. But then I'll get into the stumbling blocks that Juliet mentioned here in the introduction on some very specific things to look out for. Um, so, hopefully, as always, you'll get some very actionable um, ideas from the meeting here to help you with exactly what you're working on in your ERP initiatives right now. So, let me start with what is an, ER, an RFP and why is it used? Um, of course, uh, RFP stands for Request for Proposal. And the general purpose behind an RFP, of course, is to capture requirements and needs and wants and information that then you send to vendors. And those vendors can take a look at the information and come back with um, some idea of what their solution will look like to meet those needs, as well as pricing and timing and other kinds of important information related to um, what you put in the RFP, pretty basic. But the interesting thing about why it's used around ERP selections is because it's a way to normalize the data that you give to different vendors. And when I say normalize, I really mean giving the vendors the exact same information for which they will make their decisions from. So um, if you're on the phone talking to one vendor and then you get on the phone talking to another vendor, you may say different things to them. They may have different questions that lead in different directions. So the purpose of the RFP document is to really give the vendors the exact same information. So super important in that aspect. The next point here that I wanted to talk to is, um, you know, what are we really trying to accomplish with this document? And from the ERP advisor's perspective, kind of the, the inside scoop in the trenches, what we're really trying to do is to make sure that the vendors have as much information as we can give them about our clients and about their projects. So this is a little bit different than you'll see, even with other ERP advisory firms. As we've seen their their information that they've created, like we're really trying to say to the vendors, look, this is the problem. These are the problems we're trying to solve with what could be your software if you qualify and make it all the way. Can you really do it or not? Um, it gives the vendors a you know a very objective way to to view what is um, important to us and to our clients and then they come back to us and say, yes, we can do this, and yes, this is what the cost is. So that's what we're really trying to accomplish with the RFP is to communicate information about the project so that the vendor can look at that and make decisions on if they even think they're qualified. And then if they are, tell us what they can't do as part of um, the, the RFP process. Now, something that we do that's a little bit different Then, um, well, maybe it's a lot different, actually, than other advisory firms, as well as even most clients that are doing RFPs on their own. So I really want your ears to perk up on this, is we do a request for information versus a request for proposal. Well, what's the difference, Sean? It's an I versus a P. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's a little curvature on the top of the I. Kind of make it a P, right? That's the difference. Well, kind of. Um, but, but here's the reality of, of most RFPs, if not all of them, is that the vendors are only given a, a subsection or a subset of information to make a very big decision on for the vendor as well as for you. And so then to ask the vendors to give you a proposal off of this subset of information that's in the document, um, it's, it's, it's risky. It's actually very risky. Um, I wouldn't bet my job on the numbers that come through in an RFP. Um, just recently, um, one of my senior consultants and me were doing a selection for a mining company, and we had some um, RFIs that came back with some pricing, and then we started going through the vetting process, got down to the finalists, and are starting to get the actual prices coming in, and the prices are actually lower than what was in the, um, the initial RFI. And it turned out that the scope was just smaller and that we're going to push out some modules for implementation. So the vendors didn't know that in the RFI. Um, They didn't know what we didn't even know exactly what our timing was going to be for the modules to be implemented. We kind of evolved that as we went through our selection process. So that's why we use an RFI document, because we're we're basically saying to the vendors here, we want information from you. Um, not a proposal, but we do want high level pricing, timing, your experience, some other things to help us decide if we should even bring you in for a, uh, a demonstration process. So that's why we use an RFI. We stay away from RFPs because an RFP again means, oh, we're going to put together this detailed pricing and costing and... Do we include discounts and all that stuff? And it's like, no, just give us kind of high level um, information about your pricing. That's really what we're shooting for with, with kind of our uh, RFI process. So with that background information, um, I do want to talk about the stumbling blocks to look for when you're putting together this request for information or request for proposal document. These are some things that will help you. That I really think, I really wish um, that everybody understood because there's a lot of time. Um, if you look at the amount of time that companies spend building um, RFPs, we'll just say RFPs, um, and then the amount of time that companies or real people spend answering RFPs, and then the amount of time people spend evaluating the responses to RFPs. Um it's, it's easily in the hundreds of hours for even a midsize um, uh, selection project. If you think about all the projects that are happening throughout, um, not just the U.S., but also Canada and even beyond, there's millions, if not billions of dollars that are wasted on these RFP processes. So, um, again, for, for your sake, please listen to these stumbling blocks and what to do about them. So I've got um, five that I'm going to go through here. So the the first stumbling block is um, the RFP is too focused on elimination points on the vendors and not enough focused on educating the vendors about you. So what I mean there is you really need to provide some company background. I mean, you can always point them to the website, but tell the vendors what you do, what your line of businesses are and tell them what you have today for software as well so they've got some idea of what you're coming off of and it's really important to tell them why you're switching like what do you hope to achieve um, by going through this switch which we know is risky and going to be expensive like why are we doing that and the last thing to keep in mind here too that you should be able to communicate are the real goals that you want to accomplish with the new software so saying we want to Get off of QuickBooks, and we want to get on to a, um, you know, a more robust general ledger system. Well, okay. Well, you know, we have some clients that have been 100 million dollars in revenue that have still been running QuickBooks. Um, so that's not the real reason why you want to get off QuickBooks. The real reason could be because um, we're looking to go to market for some more capital, and we need to have more internal controls built into our financial system. Therefore, we need to move out of. Um, a QuickBooks type application that doesn't have hard closes and we need the ability to have more of level controls in our financials. That would be a good example. Boy, we should write that down and put it in our next RFI. Um, but that's a real goal that we're looking to accomplish um, with the software. So Again, focus on educating the vendors about you, not necessarily just eliminating them with the document. Those key points were um, include your company background, what you have today for software, why you're switching them and what the real goals are that you want to accomplish with switching. Excuse me. Good. Now the next one. um, Don't do not do not do not provide just a list of requirements and uh, the criteria of met in the software customization required third-party bolt-on or not met don't do that I'm telling you don't do it <laughs> um I, I wish some of my brethren and some of the other firms that, that we work with would, would, would understand that um, what you do want to do 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 please please, please is make a demonstration script So you need to tell the vendors what functionality you're looking for, for sure, right? They have to be able to see your list and say, whoa, we don't do that, or whoa, we definitely do that. You have to give it to them, but do it in the form of a demonstration script. And and what I mean here is um, it's very easy to go online and go get a list of just general requirements or the standard requirements that every app is going to be able to meet, especially in areas like CRM or HCM, human capital management, or even uh, financials uh, for very standardized business processes. Like you can get a list of requirements pretty easily for sure. But that's not really what you want to tell the vendors you want the app to do. What you want them, what you want to tell them to do is how you want to operate your business in the software. It doesn't have to be perfect because you might be flushing that out a little bit. But go ahead and say for something like human capital management, you know, here's how we want to handle um, the applicant tracking system. We want to be able to create a job request, um, a requisition. We want to have it approved by a manager. We want the HR group to approve it. Then we want to publish it on these sites. And um, we want recruits to be able to respond to that ad, and it goes directly into uh, the ATS system. You know, there's a lot more detailed requirements you may want to put under that. But that kind of a flow in, in by communicating requirements in that flow, the vendors will be able to show you exactly what their applications do around that. And it also tells them like, whoa, these guys really know what they want here. Um, so um, the vendors can say, well, we have this really kind of you know lower end human capital management system. that doesn't do that. So we would have to bring in another tool. But I tell the other vendors that do have that, like, hey, I see what these guys are wanting here, and and I can show them that. See, that's the difference that that we look for in our our eyes is we want to show. We want the vendors to show us our requirements, show us the script, show us their app can do what we're looking for, and not just have some checkbox that says, yes, 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 yes. So really, really, really important. Now, the next stumbling block that that um, folks can run into when they're putting together an RFI is they don't really get the experience of the partner that's going to be implementing. So the focus becomes more on software and and really kind of like around the functionality of um, of the apps and much less around what a partner can do because. You know, I I wrote a blog entry uh, several years ago, I think it was the shortest one, and it basically said, you know, choose an implementation partner that you're willing to bet your job on because you are. Um, You can have the best software in the world, but if the implementation partner um, isn't good, then your project's gonna just, it's just, you're sunk. There's no other way to say it. So in your document, in your RFI, your RFP, you really want to focus on not just here's the software demonstration script we need to see but tell us about the implementation partners and and the um, experience that they have with similar companies in your micro vertical so not just oil and gas but oil and gas field services or not just professional services but professional services engineering firms whatever it is ask those very specific questions um, so that you make sure you have a partner that has those needs now Sometimes um, you will do an RFI or RP that goes directly to the software vendor. We recommend that pretty early on in your process that you have the vendor choose the partner that's going to be part of your um, selection process because you want that partner to hear everything that's going on in the selection. Don't have them just come in at the end. You want them involved as early as possible. So the second to the last uh, stumbling block I want to talk about is around costs. You really do want to get a a good understanding of the estimated cost that you're going to have to incur to implement each software solution that's responding to your RFI or RFP. Now, we talk a lot about costs on these trusted advisor calls. It's, I think it's one of the areas that we help our clients out with the most because they don't realize all the valuable costs that they're going to get and have to incur as part of these uh, processes. But um, your RP or RFI should have a section that lays out costs in the following category. You should definitely figure out what's the software cost. And for that, you're going to have to provide some user counts by module. So you're going to need to know a little bit about the software to figure out what the users are and what the modules are, but you've got to provide that so that you can get an estimated software cost. Then you can ask them what the implementation cost estimate is going to be based on the modules that you're looking at um, selecting and what they're telling you you're going to need from them. You also want to ask about any other kinds of costs related to um, additional licensing or other software that you have to get as part of their offering. So for instance, um, some vendors will require you to license a separate reporting tool or there may be some other kinds of um, operating platform apps that you have to get too. So you want to ask whether other software costs that you have to incur. And then you also wanna ask about hosting costs or if it's software as a service um, that should be covered, but ask about any technology platform um, incremental costs that you're gonna have to uh, incur too. And then you can always ask the question of just other um, and then please explain what additional costs we would have to uh, incur as part of your software solution. So it's a big roadblock, is getting really good cost estimates out of RFPs and RFIs, but if you ask those questions, you're gonna be in a lot better shape. Now, our last item here that we have for stumbling blocks is, um, when, when you're getting information about the overall solution, you want to make sure that you're in touch with and working with the right people from the vendor. So this is, this kind of goes back a little bit to getting the implementation folks involved and engaged early on. So here's, here's the deal. Um, Most software companies and most um, software implementation firms will have a sale team and then they have a delivery team. So the sale team is focused on the pursuit of the the project and getting the deal and um, working through basically the RFP process. And then once it's approved, then they'll pass it over to um, the, the service team. And I'll tell you, the best thing you can do, I said this earlier, but it's true, is get that service team engaged as early as possible. So that way, um, again, one of the biggest stumbling blocks with this RFP is is cost, like we said, but when you have the right people that are really gonna be held accountable to your implementation coming in on budget. When you have those people engaged early on, your, your RFP process goes so much better Because you're ultimately, at some point, those people are going to show up in your office and and you're going to look them in the eye and you're going to say, I remember what Sean said, I'm betting my job on you. Well, you're going to look them in the eye and and you need to know that they're they're worthy of your trust, very honestly. So having those people engaged, getting them involved early, you'll get better cost information than sometimes the salespeople can even provide. And you're going to have a much better feel for, you know, what you're really about to get into. So those are the, the five stumbling blocks we really want you to look out for, for sure, um, and how to get around those. But overall, the RP or RFI is a great um, function to put into a selection. I mean, we help a lot of companies with these. A lot of companies come to us simply to ask us to write these because we can do them fast. We've got templates, but, we just know the process to extract information out of our clients and to suck it out and <laughs> put it into the uh, RFI format. Um, but it's a really good document that, that can help normalize the information give to your vendors. Um, you can tell the vendors, this is what I want to see from you um, from, from the terms of a demonstration script. You can get a really good feel for their applicable experience in your market. You can get a good idea of costs, and then you can get the right people engaged early on, part of your selection process. So use an RFP, use an RFI. We're always here to help. If there's anything that we can do, um, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We can get you going for sure in the right direction. Juliet, I think I'll pass it back to you.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Sean. That was a lot of great information. Um, Thank you again, everyone, for joining us for today's call. As Sean said, please let us know if we can answer any questions. Um, Call us, contact us through our email. Um, Our next call is Tuesday, February 12th, Surprises You Don't Want to Have During Your ERP Implementation. In this next edition of the ERP Advisor, we will discuss how to structure your project so you can identify surprises and handle them quickly before they turn into something disastrous. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com, for more details and to register. Thanks again.